for that. On May 14th, it's next week, 1948, Israel became a sovereign state. In no time, Arab countries attacked, but the Jews were victorious and free and remain free to this day. In fact, this week is the 75th anniversary of Israel's rebirth as a nation. And I want us today to say, well, there's, nations have anniversaries all the time, but not those with prophetic, profound prophetic significance, as is the case for the nation of Israel. When studying end-time prophecy, eschatology, Israel is of utmost importance. In fact, end-time prophecy doesn't have nearly as much, uh, very little to do with the church. As I'm convinced, the church will be gone uh, at the beginning of chapter 4 of the book of Revelation. And the church is not mentioned in chapters 4 through 19 of the book of Revelation. The vast majority of that book, because the church, believers, followers of Christ, are in heaven. But there is much material on the subject of Israel and the end-time prophecy which relates to them. The sources I've consulted, of course, uh, to, to prepare and, and to, and of course, I've been preparing this message for 46 years, ever since I've been saved, um, but to uh, re- retool and refine it and, uh, and all, all agree really on three primary points, and that is that there was an actual physical nation of Israel in the land of Canaan that that same nation went into captivity due to sin and due to unbelief, rebellion. Many prophets had warned them, but they still uh, continued on. And the third point is that nation will be restored in the end times. You say, why do we even need to cover that and consider it? Because, frankly, it's the minority view uh, in the world. Not so much in America. American Bible believers probably outnumber, um, uh, that, that is, those who do see Israel in the future, probably outnumber those who do not believe Israel has a future, but not worldwide. Many Christians, though, in our day, maybe even some in this church, deny, do not agree with the importance of Israel in end-time prophecy, in fact, believe, and will say as much, and these are Bible believers. These are not talking about uh, Christ deniers, Bible deniers, anything like that. Solid Bible believers who would say that the church has replaced Israel as the people of God uh, and that day was done and it it concluded they rejected Christ. So God has now turned his attention to uh, the the church, primarily the Gentile church, the times of the Gentiles, if you will, um, and Israel is no more. I profoundly uh, disagree with that, or I have profound disagreement with it, and I'm convinced that uh, the Word of God, when taken at normal value, that is, when we use words for what they are intended to mean, and we take into consideration authorial intent, meaning what did the writer of this text intend the reader in that context to understand I think we will come away, I'm convinced, I'm even more convinced that we'll come away with 
the understanding that God still has a future day. Okay, preacher, I already believe that. Why does that matter to us right now in 21st century America? Glad you asked that question. We'll get to that at the end of the message. First, we see in the Word of God the gathering or the creation of Israel in Genesis chapters 12, uh, 15, and 17, as well as so many other places that it is stated, it is reiterated more than I could ever uh, reference. Uh, it, uh, we see that God created. He raised up a people group. In fact, in Genesis chapter 12, and the Lord had uh, said uh, unto Abram, get thee out of thy country from thy kindred and from the father's house into a land that I'll show thee, and show thee, and I will make of thee a great nation I will bless thee and make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing, and I will bless them that bless thee and curse them that curseth thee, and in thee shall all families of the earth be blessed. So God created uh, the people of Abraham. He re, uh, reaffirmed that in, uh, in chapter 15. In chapter 17, he restated it with Isaac, he, uh, uh, the, the promised seed. That was restated with Jacob to the patriarchs with Joseph and his brothers, and it was stated time and time again. The prophets uh, alluded to it, and um, even the Lord Jesus, when, uh, just before his ascension, when the apostles and those gathered together, all of whom were Jews, uh, I, I, I say that, check that. I, I, I'll even say all of whom were Jews at that time. I, I'll have to look at the reference in Acts chapter 1, and they said, Lord, is now the time that you're going to restore the kingdom to Israel? So they already were kingdom-focused. They already knew that God had promised a literal kingdom for them. And Jesus responded to them, It's not for you to know the time or the season when that will take place, but be my witnesses, and that'll come to pass, he was intimating. And so he affirmed the kingdom age to come um, even as late as just before his ascension. The gathering, the creation of Israel. Scripture is clear that Israel is God's national chosen people. In fact, Exodus chapter 4 and verse 22, God spoke unto Moses and told him to say unto Pharaoh, Israel is my son, even my firstborn. You say, wait a minute, they weren't the first in the, in the history of man. No, uh, any more than Jesus was uh, the firstborn uh, from the dead in the sense of resurrection. You remember that Lazarus rose from the dead. But firstborn in Scripture does not speak of chronology. It speaks of priority. And so Israel is my priority. Uh, they are the ones that I have created. I have established them. In fact, Lamentations 2 and verse 18 says that Israel is the apple of God's eye. Now, Look, look at what it says about what God did in Deuteronomy 7 and verse 6. For thou art a holy people unto the Lord thy God. The Lord thy God hath chosen thee or elected thee to be a special people. In other words, he really made a designation there. He really got very specific of all the people groups in the world. Israel, you are a special people unto him above all people that are upon the face of the earth. Now, do you believe that what Scripture says is true and accurate. Amen. This, unless, uh, unless I am somehow not reading and understanding the words, it clearly says to me that the people of Israel are a special people unto himself above all people. That is the ethnicity, the people group, the congregation has been designated by the Lord as those who were chosen 
by him. In fact, Isaiah 45 and verse 4 says, For Jacob, uh, uh, my servant's sake, um, and Israel, mine elect. Don't I have that up there? Don't I have uh, Isaiah 45? Oh, there it is. For Jacob, my servant's sake, and Israel, mine elect. I have even called thee by name. I have surnamed thee, though thou hast not known me. You didn't even know who your father was, your creator, and the one who chose you, but I gave you that name, uh, the people of God. Uh, And the Lord did that unilaterally. It wasn't because they were special in how they acted or what they believed. He just said, I am choosing, I am choosing you, I am adopting you, I am ordaining you to be my people group. John MacArthur, in a 2007 Shepherds Conference, made this dogmatic statement. There are over 2,000 references to Israel in Scripture. Not one of them means anything but Israel. Now, that will cause all millennialists to chafe because they will point out incorrectly, Romans chapter 9 says, not all of Israel are actually of Israel. Therefore, uh, uh, the church has become Israel. No, that's not what it means. It simply means that not all Jews have followed in the faith of Father Abraham. That's all that's saying in Galatians chapter 5, something similar. And so the point is, is that every time Scripture references Israel, it is speaking of either a land, that is where they live, or a particular ethnicity or people group um, that we know as the Jews. Why did God elect Israel? It begs the question, and, and it should be answered. And in fact, God answers why he has chosen them. In Deuteronomy 7, verses 7 and 8, it says, The Lord did not set his love upon you nor choose you because you were more in number than your people. It's not because you were the greatest in number, for you were the fewest of all people, but because the Lord loved you, because he would keep the oath which he swore unto your fathers, hath the Lord brought you out with a mighty hand out of Egypt, redeemed you out of the house of bondage from the hand of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. So folks, it is not because the Jews deserved it any more than your election is because God saw down through history and he saw, well, you'd be a good follower of me. So I think I'll go ahead and get on the bandwagon now and choose you. No, he chose you in Christ according to the good pleasure of his will, Ephesians chapter 1. And so this tells us of why God also chose an ethnic group. Um, and God is immutable. He doesn't change. Malachi 3, 6, for I am the Lord. I change not. Therefore, you sons, because I don't change, you sons of Jacob, you Jews, are not consumed. I'm not going to wipe you off of the face of the earth. I'm not going to eradicate you as a people group because I change not. And I swore, uh, and this is the last book in the Old Testament, the next to the last chapter, and he said, I swore to Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, and through the prophets I told you that I will never forsake you. In fact, I will ultimately bring you together again into a land where I will be the king, because I change not. Now, if you challenge that, I want, to, I want to provocatively say, when the, when's the last time you had lunch with a Hittite, with an Amorite, with an Amalekite? Uh, you all follow the argument? And yet you very well may have had lunch with an Israelite, with a Jew who still are a people group today. In speaking to the Gentiles, 
regarding the future of Israel. Now, this is regarding the future of Israel, and, and the Spirit of God moved upon Paul to tell the Gentiles, don't be wise in your own sight. I do not want you to become unaware of this mystery, brothers, that is that which was not previously revealed, that a partial hardening has come upon Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles has come in. And in this way, all Israel will be saved, as it is written. The deliverer will come from Zion. He will banish ungodliness from Jacob. And this will be my covenant with them when I take away their sins. As regards the Gospels, they are enemies for your sake. But as regarding election, they are beloved for the sake of their forefathers, for the gifts and calling of God are irrevocable. Because God had promised uh, to Abraham, reaffirmed it to Isaac and Jacob, the patriarchs, and then through the prophets, he says he will keep it. So he gathered a people group, and they remain until this day. Secondly, in this remembrance of the 75th anniversary of the establishment of the nation, again, the reestablishment, we see there's a scattering of Israel. And I want you to turn to Leviticus, if you would, so we can actually get into uh, reading a little bit of text. Leviticus chapter 26. Leviticus chapter 26. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus. Now, I understand this is a weighty uh, and heavy message. It can be dry. In fact, it can seem like dry bones. But we'll see on the third point that those dry bones are going to come back to life. Oh, didn't you like that uh, play on words? I just, I just came up with that. I didn't think through that, but I, I think I like it. <laughs> uh, Leviticus chapter 26, look at verse 32 and 33, a warning to the people of what's going to happen. God brought them out of Egypt in verse 32, and I'll bring the land into desolation, and your enemies who dwell therein shall be astonished at it, and I will scatter you among the nations and will draw out a sword after you, and your land shall be desolate, and your cities waste. Did that happen? Folks, it happened for 2,600 years. It happened from about 6, 605 B.C. up until 1948. The entire people group was scattered. Uh, the land was possessed by every, uh, every Gentile occupier you can imagine Without any break in any of that, even during the time of Jesus, they were occupied by Rome, of course. Before that, they were occupied by the, uh, the Grecians. Before that, by the Medo-Persians. And before that, they were taken by Babylon. And so, world history has clearly revealed, and it has played out, that Israel will be scattered because of not following the Lord. And so, in about 720 B.C., the northern ten tribes taken by Assyria, and in about... 115 or so years later, the southern two tribes taken by Babylon. And so Israel has been forever hated by most, if not all, of the world. And that's even the case up until now. I recently discovered a BBC, British Broadcasting Company, study that they did of the most hated nations on earth currently, that is in the 21st century. And Israel ranked right up there as most hated by the other nations with North Korea and Iran. In fact, of those polled, and they did this with thousands apparently, maybe tens of thousands of people, of those polled, um, 60% of Spain, France, Germany, and Great Britain saw Israel 
as one of the top most hated countries in the world. And yet, it's just a little sliver of land with just a few million people compared to the rest of the nations of the world. What, what is this? Why would you direct your hatred toward Israel? Why is it that Jesus could say, and it's rightly come to pass in Luke 21, 24, that Jerusalem shall be trodden down by the Gentiles until the times of the Gentiles be fulfilled. Well, it's evident for 2,600 years that has been the case. Why has that been the case? Let me offer two reasons. First of all, we see and we've read already in a number of passages that Israel is loved by God. You're my firstborn. I've set my love upon you, not because you're a greater number, and on and on. And so the Lord loves this ethnic group. And since the world is ungodly and goes against what God loves, it follows that if God loves Israel, then the world is going to hate Israel. We read Deuteronomy 7, verses 6 and 8. Now look at Deuteronomy 26, 18 and 19. The Lord hath avouched, or he hath declared that thee this day to be his peculiar people, as he hath promised thee that thou shouldest keep all his commandments, and to make thee high above all nations which he hath made, in praise, in name, in honor, and that thou mayest be a holy people unto the Lord thy God, as he has spoken. Well, the world is filled with the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life are not God-fearing. The world is not God-fearing, uh, yet Israel was established to be God-fearing. Ergo, they are hated because they are loved by the Lord. Secondly, they were also scattered and, uh, and kept suppressed because Israel is hated by Satan. Uh, Ephesians 2.2 very clearly says that uh, wherein in times past you walked according to the course of this world, the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now works in the children of disobedience. And so the enemy has inspired the world to continually come against Israel, beginning with Nebuchadnezzar and Babylon and uh, concluding, that is, while they were scattered uh, with World War II, with one-third of all Jews being killed under uh, the Nazis. And so the world, Satan, hates Israel. Why does Satan hate Israel? Well, because it's a people that are called of God. It's, they were given a land. They, they were the ones God used to breathe out the majority of Scripture. God's Son came through Israel. The gospel went to Israel first. And so Satan hates the Jew. The fact that the Jew still remains as an ethnicity uh, and a distinct people over 26 centuries of dispersion is, is a miracle of staggering proportion. There was an unbeliever, a, a, a world leader, long time ago, centuries ago, who said, I want you to come up with a, a very succinct reason why I should believe in the veracity of Scripture. That is the credibility of the Word of God as actually being uh, God's Word. And the theologian said, I can answer that. I don't need a sentence. I don't need a paragraph. I can do it with one word. What is it? Israel. There's no other reason why there should be this ethnic group after 2,600 years of being dispersed and being occupied. And yet in our life, anybody born in 1948 or before, I'm not going to ask you your age, but there's a, a number of folks here who were alive when Israel 
was reborn as a people group. Now, to be sure, that does not mean that Jews in Israel are redeemed. It doesn't mean they're saved. Of course, that's, that's individually one must come to Christ. I'm talking about the people group, God still has a plan for Israel. Um, notice in Leviticus 26, 44 to 46, and yet for all that, when they're in the land of their enemies, look at verse 44 of chapter 26. This is important. God is saying, you're going to be scattered. You're going to rebel. You're going to, uh, you're going to have unbelief. Yet when you're in the land of your enemies, that is, you're taken and dispersed, I will not cast them away. Neither will I abhor them to destroy them utterly and to break my covenant with them. For I'm the Lord their God. I'm not going to, I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to go back on my promises. But I will, for their sakes, remember the covenant of their ancestors, whom I brought forth out of the land of Egypt in the sight of all the nations, that I might be their God. I am the Lord. And so God said, there is a future. You will not be wiped off the face of the earth as all of those other people groups throughout time. When's the last time you've ran, ran across a Babylonian? I mean, they're just not there. How about a Medo-Persianite? Uh, 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 they're not, not, as, not as a people group. Uh, and in fact, those probably aren't even good examples because those were world empires, but more of uh, the people groups that I mentioned earlier. It's a fulfillment of prophecy such as Isaiah 66, 2, for as the new heaven and the new earth, well, which I will make. Now, where, where do we see that? We see that in Revelation chapter 21 and 22. At the very end of time of, of mortal existence, after the kingdom, just as that will stand and remain before me, saith the Lord, so shall your seed and your name remain. Now, that, that has to be compelling reason why we would hold to God still has a future for Israel. Okay, preacher, I'm convinced they were created by God, they were scattered by the Lord because of unbelief, and yet the promise was that they'd be regathered one day, the regathering of Israel. If you look at Ezekiel uh, in the major prophets, Ezekiel by Isaiah, by Jeremiah, Ezekiel chapters 36 and 37. Oh, I'm just, I'm lost. Here I am. Okay, I was, in the, I was in the historical section, not the prophetic section. Ezekiel, right after Lamentations, 36 and 37. Ezekiel 36 and 37, the regathering of the Jews to their homeland began with the Zionist movement in the late 1800s, and then, of course, there was World War I and World War II specifically, which put a huge dent into that, until finally in late 1947, the, not the United Nations, there wasn't a, such a thing as that, time, at that but the, was it called the League of Nations? You all who are, who are older, I think, if I remember correctly, um, passed a resolution calling for, for a, a Jewish state in Palestine. Of course, that took place on May 14th, 1948. In fact, uh, historian Michael B. Oren wrote an essay recalling that day. And it says, the Jews of Palestine were dancing because they were about to realize what was one of the most remarkable and inspiring achievements in human history. Now, these are now writing from a Christian perspective. He's saying, 
they were in bondage uh, and in dispersion for two and a half millennia. And now coming home. A people which had been exiled from its home, uh, homeland 2,000 years. Actually, it was 2,600 years before. Which had endured countless pogroms. Which, by the way, is genocide against an ethnicity. Is what that word means. Uh, expulsions. Persecutions. But which had refused to relinqu- relinquish its identity. Which had, on the contrary, substantially strengthened that identity. Because... They absolutely held to, if you're a Jew, you marry a Jew. And so that, that identity, uh, uh, that, uh, that, that uh, um, uh, what's the word? Uh, the purity of that bloodline was strengthened throughout time because they were in dispersion. Who, with whom else were they going to procreate? Not, not the people of the land. The people of the land didn't want them either. Um, and so, they substantially strengthened their, that identity, a people which only a few years before had been the victim of mankind's largest single act of mass murder, killing a third of the world's Jews, that people was returning home as sovereign citizens in their own independent state. Now, folks, that is truly miraculous. Only God could have brought that to pass. Because you know the enemies of the Lord didn't want that to be established and to, to be accomplished God is the one who promised it. He's the one who brought it to pass. And so, uh, in, in early 1948, World War II hero, Secretary of State George Marshall, you've heard of the Marshall Plan, counseled President Harry Truman of Independence, Missouri, by the way, uh, to not officially recognize Israel since they could see they were moving to become an independent state. And Secretary of State Marshall did so because he said, one, the un- it's very unlikely that they're even going to survive uh, since the ratio of Arabs to Jews are 50 to 1. They're, they can't survive that. Apparently, he ruled God out of the equation. Uh, we're going to be opposing the oil-producing countries of Saudi Arabia and, and the like, and that's going to be problematic. And we're going to inflame the whole region if in the United States gets on board. Remember, this was right after three years after World War II ended, uh, and Europe was still all a mess. And, and so if America, what, what America did in that situation made a huge statement to the rest of the world, and the counsel from the Secretary of State, who's to represent the United States in the world, was do not recognize them. There's no benefit for us in recognizing them. There's, lots of, there's no profit. There's lots of loss. You all appreciate that argument? It's a rational humanistic argument, but we can see uh, the rationality in it. But Harry Truman said, nope, we're going to recognize them. And so uh, 11 minutes after Israel declared themselves an independent state, President Harry Truman recognized them. And and Steve Herzig, writing in Israel My Glory uh, magazine, reports that Truman wanted to, um, Truman wanted to emulate King Cyrus of ancient Persia, who issued the decree for the Jewish people to return to their land in 539 B.C. And that very same Cyrus, it was prophesied in Jeremiah that my shepherd Cyrus is going to lead you back home. Well, Cyrus was an unbeliever. He was a pagan. And yet God moved history so that Cyrus, the Medo-Persian king, would commission the uh, the restoration community to go back. Uh, it, it's truly amazing. And Truman wanted to follow in that. Uh, and so, of course, Israel then 
was regathered. Why? Why is it they're regathered? Well, look at Ezekiel 36, if you would. Ezekiel 36. And we won't read the entire uh, text, um, but look at verse 23 of Ezekiel 36. And I will sanctify my great name, which was profaned, profaned among the nations, which you have profaned in the midst of them. In other words, Israel, you weren't living for me. You weren't living, a God, you weren't living godly lives. You weren't representing me, nor were the nations. But I'm going to glorify myself, uh, and, and the nations shall know that I am the Lord, saith the Lord God, when I shall be sanctified in you before their eyes. For I will take you from among the nations and gather you out of all countries and bring you into your own land. And I'll sprinkle clean water upon you. You shall be clean from your, un- your filthiness and your idols will I cleanse you. Now that has not fully been fulfilled because there's still the, the lion's share are in unbelief, are missionaries uh, who, uh, who, who are in Israel sharing the gospel and, uh, and uh, with the purpose of that being realized. But we can see that in order for this to be fulfilled, the beginning point had to be that the people had their land and that they actually owned and could occupy their land. Folks, that took place on May 14th. That began to take place May 14th 1948. What an amazing time in which to live uh, that we have seen now. 75 years of consistent uh, independence in the nation of Israel in their own land. I read uh, this week, Israel is God's time clock, and the clock is ticking again. The prophets, the major, the minor prophets said that the Jews would one day return to their land, and in fact, they have done that. Now listen to what Amos, written written hundreds of years before Christ, Amos the prophet, chapter 9 and verse 15 says, and I will plant them upon their land, and they shall no more be pulled up out of their land which I have given them saith the Lord thy God. Now, it very well could be that what we are seeing in our lifetimes since 1948, just 75 years ago, not long, and what we have seen during this time is in fact the fulfillment of that. doesn't mean that all the prophecy regarding Israel has been fulfilled, but it's saying that things are certainly in place for that to in fact happen. Here's the application. Preacher, believe everything you said from the Word of God. Why should I care about that? Because, folks, if Israel was exiled for 2,600 years, and the Bible says that they will be restored once again to their land as a national people, and that had not happened since the Babylonian Nebuchadnezzar in 600, 605 B.C., and that had not happened at any time, might these be the latter days? (laughs) Might we be literally seeing flesh come back onto those dry bones as Ezekiel prophesied they would? I'm convinced that is, in fact, the case. Without setting any dates, I'm just reading reading the, the signs of the times. And never had before had that happened since the days of Babylon. Psalm 102 and verse 16 says, When the Lord shall build up Zion, 
he shall appear in his glory. Oh, glory. Christ is, the Lord is returning again. When is he going to return? When he builds up the nation of Israel, he shall appear in glory. Wow. If that doesn't put goose pimples on your duck bups, then you need a second dip or something. Uh, because uh, we, we are seeing some portion of prophecy fulfilled right before our eyes. What does that mean for us? Well, for the believer, uh, what's the theme that's always recurring when dealing with the uh, return of Christ, uh, the rapture of the church, the second coming of Christ? The theme is holiness. It's holy living. It, it is consecration, commitment to the Lord. Second Peter three fourteen. Wherefore, beloved, seeing that you look for such things, that is, the, uh, the calling away of the church. Be diligent that you may be found of him in peace without spot, blameless. That is, you're truly committed and following him. And 1 John 3, 3, and every man that hath this hope, the hope of the return of Christ, in, has this hope in him, purifieth himself, even as he, Christ, is pure. So uh, again, the admonition is to consecrated living unto him. 1 John 2, 28, and now little children, abide in him. Uh, Stay very near the heart of God, that when he shall appear, we may have confidence and not be ashamed before him at his coming. And so when it talks about the return of the Lord, for his people, there's the admonition for committed living, holy living, consecrated living, because after all, he's going to return and we want to be found faithful. Amen? And since we're seeing things just right before our eyes, and relative to prophetic history, 75 years is just a moment. Y'all, y'all uh, understand that. It's just a moment. And yet we're seeing it uh, being coming to pass. So that's for the believer. What about for the unbeliever? What, what, should, should, what should this mean for the unbeliever? Well, it should mean what Hebrews 10.31 says. It's a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. Christ spoke about judgment to come. He said there would be weeping and gnashing of teeth and to flee from the judgment to come, and to turn to Christ in faith, even right now, this very moment. In fact, the last message in all of the Word of God, chapter 22, in the book of Revelation, just before it ends, in verse 17, the Word says, and the Spirit, that is the Holy Spirit, and the bride, that is the church, says to the world, come, and let him that hear say, come, and let him that is thirsty come and take of the water of life freely. The Lord is sending out one last message to the world to come unto Christ, to receive him, to turn to him in this very moment. And so, everyone is going to bow to him now or later. You either bow to him now as your Lord and your loving Savior, or you will bend the knee at a later date to him as judge. Israel is a huge indicator of monumental significance, of infinite importance because of all of what the Word of God has laid out regarding this nation. May we uh, understand, revere, Uh, follow what the Word of God has taught. One final thought on this. The very first promise given 
to Abraham when Abraham was called to be the father of a great people group. The first promise, conditional promise given in Genesis chapter 12, uh, for, relative to Israel, first promise, I will do something to those who do something to Israel. I will bless those who bless thee, and I will curse those who, who curse thee. Why is it with such open mocking of the things of God, blasphemy, heresy, uh, rebellion, as we see in our nation, and that is now the norm. How is it that we've not yet been removed as a people group? It seems to me that on May 14, 1948, when good old Harry, whatever his motivation was, we, we, we can't know his heart, said the United States is for Israel, that there must be some aspect of God saying, because of that, I'm going to honor Hebrew, uh, Genesis 12, 3. Do you all understand what I just said? And so, you've heard me say uh, many times, vote pro-life. I would say voting pro-Israel is voting pro-life in some way, shape, and form. Uh, because of the promise that God has bound himself to it. I'm going to bless you as an entity if you will bless my chosen, elect, beloved people group. And I am going to curse those who do not. Anybody been to Israel? A few of you have. Been to Galilee? Heaven on earth. It is Absolutely, the hand of God is on that land. Unlike, unlike any land, unlike anywhere. Uh, the, uh, the fruitfulness, truly a land flowing with milk and honey. I mean, it's just, you'd have to try to starve in Israel when uh, they are a people group. Um, may we, uh, I, I told, I, I told a, a Jewish businessman, I've told him many times, you know, the best friend of Israel are Bible-believing Christians. Uh, and, he, and he said to me, I know that. I, I've, he won't hear the gospel, won't listen to the gospel. Still looking for Messiah to come and, and do, uh, build the kingdom. But understands that the Word of God says we should bless Israel as an, an ethnicity. It only, it, not Americans, uh, not, not Brazilians, not Cameroonians, not, but there's a particular group. Anti-Semitism, Martin, uh, uh, Martin Luther, not Martin Luther King, but Martin Luther of 1500s, is anti-Scripture because Scripture teaches, and Martin Luther knows that now. <laughs> He's repented or whatever, he changed his heart. Anti-Semite. We must not be that as a people group. All right. Thank you for your undivided attention. Lord, best I know, every single thing that has been presented is in context 
and authorized by the inerrant, infallible, authoritative Word of God. And Lord, uh, this being the case, and we seeing, having seen, the dry bones come back to life, the fig tree sprouting in the desert, certainly we must be near the time when a time of Jacob's trouble, a cleansing, time when Israel will, will go through tribulation unlike what the world has ever seen, the great tribulation period, when the Antichrist will go into the temple and proclaim himself to be God. And in Daniel's 70th week, that seven-year tribulation period, when truly all hell, hell will be unleashed on this earth and judgment from heaven will pound down Would you allow even this presentation from your word to be revisited at that time and during that time through recorded message? And any listening and watching at that time, speaking into the future, Lord, move on the hearts of those by your Spirit and save. And those listening at that time or even right now, in 2023, call upon Messiah. Call upon the Lord Jesus to save you, to forgive you, to make you His own. Jew or Gentile, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Lord, would you do that good work as only you can in your name. Amen.